So, Michael, congratulations. 150 episodes that you've put up with me. I am very proud of you. You didn't even know. No, I didn't. <laughs> I had no idea. It's all a blur, man. It's all a blur. So disappointing. You know, the thing is, I just, I love spending time with you, Mike, and I just, I don't even want to count the milestones because I don't want to make it feel like it's been a yeah. long time because it hasn't mm-hmm. been a long time to me. Five years. That is bananas. That really is bananas. Nearly. We're like four and a half years. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 150 episodes. What are we going to do? What are, do we shut down now? Is this it? Are we done? Yeah. We're sorry to announce this is, done. this is me telling Casey for the first time as well. That's it. Yeah. Show's over, buddy. All right. See you later. You have to find yourself a new co-host. Oh, brutal. That's why I brought Jim in to do the editing. I see how it is. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. like I'm just slowly like removing things from underneath your feet and then I'm just going to like just slide off into the dead of night. Yeah, it's straight up Never an Irish exit. Yep, just an Irish exit right out the door. Mm-hmm. Ay, ay, so it is the 150th episode we're going to do a whole pile of relay your feels and that's going to be the the majority of the episode but you seem to have and i guess we seem to have a little bit of follow-up do you want to tell me about this washingmethod.com <laughs> it's the new hottest website around uh washingmethod.com i recommend everybody goes there uh because you wrote a blog post and i trolled you and you thought i was making fun of you but i actually bought that domain yeah so let's back up so it's been a interesting couple of weeks in the world of casey uh but actually i gotta interrupt myself i I need to apologize to you we got to pre-follow up our own follow-up um i never recognized your birthday on the last episode i didn't realize that it was going to happen in between the time that we recorded last and right now so happy Mm -hmm. birthday i forgot to tell you and i almost forgot again because i'm terrible i was kind of i didn't know when my birthday was i had i really struggled this year to kind of understand that my birthday was coming up and and when (laughs) when it was so it's no no skin off my nose fair enough they would say Yep. So, uh, so I felt bad about that. That was part of my two last couple of weeks. But then uh, on the, uh, our beloved friends, uh, Dubai Friday on their podcast, they yeah. they had a challenge wherein they challenge. were challenged a challenge, challenge to to make bacon. And one of the methods they chose, particularly Max chose to use to make bacon, is my admittedly esoteric way of cooking bacon in the microwave. Which suffice it to say, spoiler alert, Max did not care for, like at all. I still don't, I still can't, I had bacon for lunch today. Mm -hmm. I cannot conceive of how bacon cooked in the microwave could be good. I believe you. I've seen pictures that you you like it and that it comes out fine. I just can't conceive of how it could work. I've never tried it, right? So like I'm not judging. My point is just like I I cannot get my head around how it it must work. Yeah, it it, it is weird for sure. But one way or the other, I'm already not sensitive. I mean, it was fine. Max was funny about it. I like Max a lot. I know Max. So I, I didn't take offense at it. Although, golly, I was never more scared listening to a podcast than I was listening to that. But be that as it may. Uh, so I'm a little bit on edge about anything method related because one mm-hmm. of the competing approaches to uh, my microwave uh, approach of, of making bacon was using Dan Benjamin's bacon method which yep. is at baconmethod.com. And so mm-hmm. I was already a little sensitive about this whole somethingmethod.com thing. And then I put up a post, a blog post, about how I like to wash my car, which is also something that makes me a little bit on edge because uh, you know, car people, you know, gearheads, petrol heads, whatever, 
have extreme or tend to have extremely strong feelings about how to wash a car and the specific equipment you use, the order in which you do things, how often you do it, etc. And I tried to hedge quite a bit in my post and say, look, this is what works for me. I'm not saying it's the best. It's just what works for me. And so I was already a little bit on edge about them. Anythingmethod.com was a little on edge about the reaction to my car wash post. And then Mike replied to, I think my car wash post, or you said to me somewhere somehow on Twitter, washingmethod.com. And I was like, oh, ha ha, you big jerk. I see what you're doing. And then after I replied and said whatever I said, I, I guess either somebody else said something or I thought, wait, did he actually buy that? I just assumed you were, as you said earlier, trolling me. And I cl- you know, click on the link to washingmethod.com. And sure enough, there's my mm-hmm. blog post and I lost it. This was like, oh, I saw goodness. it. I had the idea because obviously I was, it was the exact trolling path that you went down. Right, was I knew that you would be a little bit uh, like on edge about yep. something method.com, <laughs> but also at the same time thought it'd be a pretty good domain name to have, right? For you. So Indeed. I bought it and then had to wait for the DNS to propagate before I complete the joke. <laughs> See, that that is a that is an expert level maneuver because what right? I would have done would have been too excited to just to just exactly. share it with you and it would have been a complete failure. So well done. Then it just goes to a dead page. So I had to wait. I was checking it on multiple devices, multiple browsers to make sure that the DNS are propagated and then hit you with it. Mm-hmm. It was it was a masterful troll. I, I you have a great URL now at your, at your mm-hmm. disposal. Yeah, it's, it is quite good. I, I so I appreciate the what fifteen twenty five bucks or whatever it was that you spent on that, and uh, it was quite funny. Um, and then I got a little bit of flack on Twitter for this post, which was unequivocally completely justified. And I think I might have gotten the same flack from you privately first. Do you want to tell me about mm-hmm. why you took issue with my post? I also mentioned uh, Yannick on Twitter, who said it publicly, and I completely agreed with them. Uh, in our last episode, I was saying to you that maybe one way that you could help make like more car videos more frequently is to not necessarily have to wait on getting cars. Like mm-hmm. this is a car-related thing, which should be very visual. But instead of making a YouTube video for your YouTube channel. You wrote a blog post and took pictures. Like this is this is the content. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> and that is true. And I can't, with an honest heart, I cannot tell you if I thought before or after. Oh wow, this should have been a video. But I definitely you can did still have the do thought. It, you know. Oh yeah, totally. And I think I will at some point. No, but no. The reason you should, like you really should. And like yeah. this is this is like this is the exact thing that people will search for. Like how to wash a car right like this is mm-hmm. how this is something that would just be like chewed up and spat out by the algorithm like this the would be algorithm. i think this would be very good and you've got to you've got to feed the algorithm if you want to be successful so i think that this is something that would be good food for the algorithm yeah i completely agree with you and and i think at some point I would, I, w- I will absolutely uh, do it. But at the time, I didn't have a whole lot of time to wash my car. It was like a, an unusually warm day uh, in January. I think it was January. It doesn't really matter. And I only had a little bit of time between, you know, working mm-hmm. and family obligations to do it. And so I knew I wouldn't have the time to like actually do an honest to goodness video on it. And and I thought, you know what? 
I've been asked about this a bunch. I might as well just make a blog post about it. And I think, to be honest, my my first inclination when I want to share information with people is to do a blog post rather than to do a video because it's quicker for me to do. I I, I think of it as more of my bread and butter, even though I probably shouldn't. And um and so that's what I did. And it wasn't until I don't I don't think it was until you or uh, Yannick or someone said to me uh, in in a nicer way, "Hey, dummy, this was supposed to be vi- dude." This was supposed mm-hmm. to be a video. Are you listening? This is the video. You know, and I was like, yeah, you know, you're probably right. So I think to your point, Mike, at some point it will become a video. Um, I do have a schedule, which I think I mentioned on this show. I have a schedule for the next several months or an aspirational schedule, I guess, of the next several months of Casey on Cars. And there are definitely some gaps in there that I can fill, use this to fill it. Um, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully I can uh, make that happen sometime this summer. You've got to like, if you need to prioritize your publishing medium like yeah decide when you have a piece of content that you want to share where does it go and yeah. then there should be a hierarchy right and there should be like podcasts youtube website like that should be your hierarchy based upon your own uh kind of self-imposed idea of the person you want to be mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i know you love your website your website has a funny name. It's very nice. And I know you built your own engine and everything. But if like, you want to continue building your career on the internet, your personal website is not going to be the place, right? Because totally. like, how do people find that just from you tweeting about it? Like, I, I don't think that it is what you're looking for. So feed the algorithm, Casey Liss. Yeah, uh, and I will definitely do so. All right. Any other follow-up? Do we want to, is there anything else to talk about with episode 150 or do you want to just dive right into telling me something that's awesome? The choice is uh, yours. No, we're going we're to spend the episode today um, answering a ton of Relay of Feels questions. I asked for them, told people it was our 150th episode, and we have a lot of questions that are kind of focused around that that level of introspection. And I want to get into why that's a thing as our first question. Um, But before we do that, let me thank ExpressVPN for their support of this show. It's only natural today to worry about where your data goes as there are more and more security breaches in the internet every single day. And it's especially concerning when something as simple as sending an email can put your private information at risk. Chances are you're being tracked by social media sites, marketing companies, or more every single day. People that want to get access to your browsing history who can sell it you know, to people that want to profit from your information. You need to take back your privacy by using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing, encrypting your data, and hiding your public IP address. You turn it on with just a click, and the easy-to-use apps run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, and your tablet, and it costs less than $7 a month. I love how easy the apps are to use. Um, you know, iOS makes it super simple to turn on a VPN. Like you can do it in settings. If you have one enabled, you just hit the switch. But if you actually go into the ExpressVPN app, which is super simple, you can turn it on there, but you can also specify the location you want to be. Um, and sometimes if you live not in America, it's useful to tell the internet that you live in America because it gets you access to content that you otherwise can't get your hands on. Like these days, just like articles because of GDPR, like a bunch of websites. If you're in Europe, you just can't access them. Like big websites too. Like, you know, I'll say big, some big name newspapers. I can't read their articles because 
they're not GDPR compliant, so they just mm. restrict access. But with ExpressVPN, I just tell I just tell this website, oh, now I'm in Seattle, and it thinks I'm in Seattle and it lets me look at it. So super, super cool. It's not just for this. I mean, this is a fun little add-on, but really it's for the, it's for the privacy and security angle. Um, ExpressVPN comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. You can protect your online activity today by going to expressvpn.com slash analog. ExpressVPN was rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and you can try it out for yourself today by going to expressvpn.com slash analog. You'll get yourself a three months three months free with a one-year package. Um, so by using ExpressVPN, you'll make sure that your online history is not in the hands of your internet provider or data resellers. Once again, that is expressvpn.com slash analog for three extra months free of a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. 150, Mike. How did we get here? Well, I asked you do you want to do a show? And you said, yeah. And then <laughs> we worked on it. And well, we used to have phone calls every week and then we just turned them into a podcast. That's actually, if you were to take an executive summary of how this, this episode came to be, that is a pretty good executive or how this yeah. show came to be. That's a pretty good executive summary. Mm-hmm. And like we kind of had the idea around the time that Relay FM was looking like it was going to become a thing. So we sat on the idea, we worked on it for a while, and then we uh, we launched it as part of Relay FM in August of 2014. 14. Right. Oh, no, you're right, you're right. So the first question kind of looks at the show in a, as a whole, and it's from Seth. Seth asks, how closely does the show adhere to your expectations in content, audience, etc., from when it started, and how do these differences make you feel? So Analog's original conception was looking at the way that the internet and things on the internet affect people that was kind of the idea right we want to look at how the the internet affects people how it affects their emotions how it affects the way that they work and live and i would say that the show has remained pretty consistent to that idea but it's changed in scope so I think originally the show was like looking at the world and ultimately it's become about me and you. Yeah. And I'm not entirely clear how that happened. It certainly was not a deliberate like decision that either of us made or certainly that I didn't. I didn't think you did either. Uh, but it seems that over time we have morphed from, you know, the, the shtick, which was, as you said, how do our digital devices affect us? Hence the name analog, because it's, you know, the kind of the, the yang to the, the, the yin that is digital or what have you. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, over time, it's kind of become a human interest show about the two of us, which sounds so self-involved to say that. And I, and I don't mean it that way, but that's the best way, the best summary I can think of to describe it. And, and I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I'm, I'm honored that people care enough to listen to us to, you know, talk about our lives and talk about what's going on with each other and, and to do so, you know, fortnightly. It's, it's, a, it's an unbelievable privilege, but it is not at all where I saw this going when we started. Uh, additionally, I don't recall us having thought that this was going to be much more than a mini series. I, I think we had said we would do like uh, 20 or 30 episodes or something like that. And then at that point we would just be like, okay, well, I guess we've said everything there is to say and we'll move on. And 
I remember there's a couple of times where we kind of got close to saying, you know, we're out of stuff to talk about. And then something would happen or something would change wherein we would decide, okay, no, we can keep going. And I think one of the pivotal things about that, or one of the pivotal decisions that was made was, I believe Mike said to me, hey, instead of going every week, let's go fortnightly, and that'll give us more time to come up with things to say. And I think that that was absolutely critical in keeping the show going. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been an odd transformation in 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 changing from uh, going in changing from being about kind of everyone to being just about us. But I'm happy for it. Yeah, so we have spoke about it at some point, but like the fortnightly decision was to uh, just help us come up with more stuff as the show became much more about me and you as opposed to just topics you know there's a mix of both we found that it just became harder and harder to come up with interesting content every single week so we moved to fortnightly which gave us twice the amount of time to come up with the topics which is a surprisingly effective thing to do um i will recommend that to anybody that's having trouble with content for their show it sounds so simple but two weeks is twice the amount of time to think of something and you'd be surprised how much more likely you are to find stuff. And really it was, I think the reason the show transitioned, I mean, you never know what your audience size is going to be. And there have been like, depending on our outlook on things, analog has both exceeded and not met what we thought. (laughs) Like it's it's super weird, right? Because you just, it more people listen to this show than they should but there isn't enough people that listen to it there that make it like extremely significant for me and Casey. So we both have projects with, with larger audiences, but the thing is with a show like this, and it's, I think it was one of the reasons that we ended up kind of turning it into the show that it is today. Analog's audience is one of the most engaged audiences that I have. And that comes out of, I found it's kind of strange, really. When you have shows that have smaller audiences, they can typically have listeners that care more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't really know what the chicken and egg is of that, but that's kind of where we are with it. So we were kind of comfortable to turn it more into the show that it is today because I think that the people that listen, they care about us, which is beautiful and wonderful so we're very open and honest with people and that's kind of where it is now so it's not and i would say that like with where we are in our audience size right now i am kind of surprised like when we transitioned to that to, to really just being like all right this is this is just about me and you i kind of expected that the show would die out a little bit mm-hmm. um but in actuality, Analog's listenership now is larger than it's ever been. Which is so, fantastic and, and a true honor. And, and I appreciate everyone listening to the words coming out of our mouths right this I, very moment. Again, it's like one of those things. Like I, I love it. I, I understand it because I know I listen to shows like this. But at the same time, my own ego says I don't understand it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, if that I makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Because it's like we're just regular old people that, that mm-hmm. forgive me, Mike, but I don't think either of us are terribly interesting, you know, in isolation. I am, but you bring me down. Mm, I see how it is. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they are a combination, are a combination of the two of us. I think, I think we're similar enough 
and yet also different enough that hopefully makes the show somewhat interesting. And, and it's funny mm-hmm. because I agree with you. In some ways, I feel like this show has one-tenth as many listeners as it should. And in, and in many ways, I think it's amazing that more than 10 people listen to it at all. And so I, I, hope, that, I hope that doesn't sound dismissive to the listeners. I, I, neither of us mean it that way at all. But, you know, if you look at it as, oh, this is, you know, just me and Mike basically having a fortnightly phone call publicly, why would that be interesting to anyone? And, and hopefully it is. We aim for it to be. We work hard for it to be. But on the surface, it's like, well, why is that interesting? You know. <laughs> so I'm happy with where it's ended up, even if I'm a bit surprised that this is the an eventual end that we landed on. Yeah. Um, like I... I don't like to make a habit of putting down the things that I work on. You know, like I hear it sure. a lot. It's like, it's a joke, but like people say to me, Oh, why do people listen to this? You know, like they make a joke about their show. Like if it's funny and weird or like madcap, it's kind of like, Oh, I can't believe anybody listens to this. Or like, why do people listen to this? But so I don't, I don't like to make those jokes cause I feel like it devalues the work that we're putting in. Like, because I think people should, otherwise I wouldn't make it. And I know that's not what people are saying, but like, I have weird, again, probably, you probably noticed by now, I have like weird views about stuff in general. Like, I I think I overthink a lot of stuff, um, especially about like the way that people perceive the things that I do. And that's just one of my things where it's like, if I'm going to release something, it is the intention that people should listen to it. Like I've, I've tried to make it good enough. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to make the, I'm not really trying to make those statements, but it is just like wild to think that anybody cares enough about our lives in general to want to listen to this. But at the same time, uh, if you are just listening for entertainment purposes, I think that you get it because I think that we work hard to, uh, to do that. Yeah. Agreed. Mark asks, what's the line between, well, actually, and helpful corrections? Is it the venue of communication? Do you need to be uh, specifically asked? Would you rather be wrong than annoyed? Uh, Mark says, I've been listening to Relay since launch day, and I'm looking forward to the next 150 episodes. Thank you, Mark. Uh, So what's the difference? What's the line between, well, actually, and something that's genuinely useful? So this is the idea of like, if you're going to, if somebody said something incorrect and you know it's incorrect, is there a way that you can tell them that it's incorrect without mansplaining them or <laughs> is effectively that I think is a, is a, that what, what, what Mark is getting at. I think tone and context are the important thing to do. Like, for example, you never start with, well, actually, <laughs> but the reason that's a joke is because so many people do start with, well, actually, I think that there is a way, um, to do it but by and large you just shouldn't because of Mm -hmm. the tone and context issue so if we're looking at twitter for example it is incredibly difficult to do this on twitter like it is incredibly incredibly difficult for you to present yourself as not being an idiot by correcting someone because the way that it's perceived by the person that you are correcting even if you're doing it with every good intention in the world it just feels like somebody's attacking you it's really hard because there's no tone and there's no context um i mean i think the only way that i could imagine but i don't know how you say this but the only way that i could imagine is like if you ask like i think i have some more information about this would you like it kind of thing right like yeah. you give the the option for somebody to do to say it rather than you just like 
jumping in like the Kool-Aid guy and being like, I've solved all your problems that you weren't asking me to solve. That, that, that's the only way that I can think is maybe even possible to do it. But by and large, I would say like, don't even bother because how important is it? I don't know how important it is to correct someone sometimes. Like sometimes that if I think it's way better and way easier in human, like face-to-face interactions to do that because it's like a, conversation someone can hear your tone they probably already know you so they have warm feelings to you um like i only ever really do this if it's a friend and then i do it in private right like if i ever see someone say something it's like oh i actually think well like i know that they're wrong for whatever reason or like i don't think it is that way then i would say to them in private like have you thought about this or have you considered this and i do that because this person knows me so they know I don't just make a habit of just trying to go around on the internet and correct people. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with how important is it? Um, I think that's step one is really evaluating, like, does this really matter? And so a great example of this is that everyone on the internet has their own little grammatical quirk that they hate and that they would that they love to correct people for. So for example, they're there and there, you know, T-H-E-I-R, T-H-E-Y, apostrophe R-E and T-H-E-R-E, you know, and so they'll seek out anywhere that somebody uses the wrong there and correct them. But 99.9% of the time, does it really matter which there they're using? No. Yeah, people get on me a lot about this because I don't think, you know, this is, <laughs> this is my issue just with like spelling mistakes, but like people tend not to actually care about my spelling mistakes, but like I make a lot of spelling mistakes in my tweets like because I'm just not really focusing a lot of the time like i miss them you know like it's that idea of like i see them once i've published yep. um but you can't edit on twitter so like what are you gonna do and uh i do a lot of like i say i when i should say me you know or i say like uh me and casey rather than casey and me or whatever and people love to correct me about this and i just don't understand why people have that time in their day to feel like it's important to correct. Like this is the type of, well, actually this, like it is useless. Like it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It really doesn't matter. It's like you understood what I said. So why even bother? Exactly. And, and I think that that's one way to evaluate whether or not it's, it's a, well, actually is, does this really matter? And if, or are you just being pedantic for the sake of being pedantic? Um, the other way that I think is, and maybe this is just a me thing, but particularly when it comes to Twitter, I am much more receptive to people sending me a reply that says, you know, at Casey Liss, Hey, you know, when you said you should wash this instead of that, I, I would prefer to do it in the reverse order. Fine. You know, okay. We can have a conversation about that. I disagree, but we can have a conversation about it. What grinds my gears more than anything in the friggin' world is when people put in period at Casey Liss or hey at Casey Liss. Did you know that? You know what I mean? So now they're broadcasting their correction to all of their followers, which is like, I feel that's the same as somebody like coming into the center of town and going, hey, hey, everyone, did you know that Casey said this wrong? Look, look at me. Casey said what this wrong on thing. What earth are you banging on? It my sounds desk. like you've got a like an oil drum in there. No, it's just a it's what my is desk. that? It's a glass top desk. That's all. Wow. 
So, so hopefully that Foley work comes out great then. Look at me go. Uh, but anyway, it just grinds my gears so badly. And I wrote a tweet about this like three or four years ago. I'll put a link in the show notes. When was this? It was uh, 20th of April, 2016. And it just, it makes me so angry. And this is what you were talking about, Mike, with talking to people privately. And you know, and you can only do that in the context of Twitter with people, or in, in many ways, with people you genuinely know. So you have a private mechanism to get to them. And if a random person I don't know wants to correct me on Twitter, then do so. But don't broadcast that to all your followers. You know, start your tweet with an at sign, Casey Liss, and then write whatever you want to write. That just drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on board of you. That It's like, oh, let me put this person on blast. Exactly. Exactly. That's a much better summary. Yes, exactly right. All right, we should move on because I'm getting angry. Uh, Fusan writes, Mike, when you first started Relay and then up to the present day, what would you say is the most poignant lesson you learned thus far? In contrast, what continu- continues to fill you with joy every single day? Uh, all right, so I'm taking it as two different questions. Um, so point one, uh, so the idea of like what is the most poignant lesson? I think there's a couple of things, but there's some that are just like, super specific business things, which I don't really think are that relatable or important. Uh, like, for example, I mean, if I was going to sum that up, it would kind of just be like, try and try and manage as if yourself, if you, if you make something for yourself, try and manage as much of it on your own as you possibly can. Um, that's kind of point one. But the more important thing for me is I have discovered it's not that difficult to do right by people. And you end up feeling better about it at the end of the day. If you can feel like I've done the best that I can for the people I work with, that's kind of, that's kind of where I've come from with all of it. Like having now run my own business for nearly five years, I don't really feel like we've had any significant issues with anybody that haven't been resolved in a way that everybody leaves happy. Um, I can't even really think of an issue, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like just trying to do the right thing by people has made me happy in business. So, And point two, what continues to spark joy, I'll say, every day. Uh, recording good episodes of shows when I feel like I've done a good job. It's because this is still work for me now, right? Like, this is my job. This is my work. Um, I can't treat it in like a hobby anymore i don't treat it as just a fun thing anymore like i have a i have duty to do a good job right and to do the best that i possibly can and when i when i hang up skype and i feel like i did a good job i feel good about it so that's what continues to make me feel good that is a really incredible feeling uh, it's not often that I hang up with either you or the ATP guys or you know if I'm on a guest spot or anything it's not often that I hang up and I'm just like ugh that didn't feel good, but it's, it's also, so generally speaking, I hang up and think, okay, that was good. But those moments, what you're describing when you hang up and you're just like, you know what? Yeah, that was a good one. Those are the best. And they don't happen all the time, but for, not for me anyway, but, uh, they are such a great feeling when it happens. And, and I do love that so much. All right. So uh, next question comes from Will, uh, how do, this is a heavy one, everybody. All right. So just buckle up for a minute um, or maybe jump ahead a few minutes, maybe listen to the first <laughs> sentence and you can decide if you want to hear it. How do you think people will respond to deaths in podcasting? Podcasts and podcasters are more interactive with their audience than movie stars are. 
how will you react when a podcaster you personally know dies? Is it weird to know non-family and friends will be sad when you go? Ooh, we've, uh, you know, we've already lived this to some degree, uh, no, which is terrible. We haven't. We haven't. Because that's not the question. Like, so I, I, I there is a slight difference here. So I know that you're going to bring up our friend, uh, Jason, right? Mm. But we knew him. So the question yeah, here okay. that Will, yeah, so he was yeah. a friend, right? So that's, that's more normal, like the way that you feel. The question that Will is asking is how will you, like how would you and how do you think people will respond to just people they listen to, people they don't have any kind of like personal connection with other than like as a friendship? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, so there is a slight difference to that because you would your feelings were more normal feelings where these are abnormal feelings because it's like feeling sad about someone dying where you only have a one way relationship with them yeah yeah you're right um and and to to kind of just fill in the backstory here um what mike is talking about is uh, jason cipher who is a, a friend of ours now i never met jason in person and to the best of my knowledge mike you did not ever physically meet Jason. Is that right? I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, well, we both knew Jason as well as one could hope given, you know, the weird world in which we, in which, which we both live. And, uh, on April, actually on April fool's day in uh, 2017, uh, which is very fitting. If you knew Jason, uh, Jason passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly. And, um, and I still think about Jason, um, fairly often for someone that I never by classical definitions ever met. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's what Mike is talking about. But I take your point, Mike, that that was a two way relationship for you and and me and, or three way or whatever, you know, we knew Jason to some mechanism and, and that's not the same as, you know, someone who we've never, ever, ever, ever met and never really interacted with passing away. Uh, but then that, that also leads to a little bit of gray area, right? Like, so I'm trying to think of an example and I can't off the top of my head, but, there are certainly podcasters that I listen to that I have exchanged tweets with or something like that. Um, but I wouldn't say our friends, you know, it's not a two way relationship. It's not an, an equal relationship. Maybe they would be able to recognize me in a crowd because we've exchanged tweets a bunch of times, but ultimately they don't know who I am. And at that point, do I know them? Do they know me? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a rhetorical question, but it's it's interesting because I can think of plenty of people that I interact with on Twitter a fair bit that I wouldn't say I know these people terribly well, but I would recognize them in a crowd as someone I've interacted with before, you know. So um, it's it's very it's very interesting, you know. What is what is friendship and can, how how even does friendship have to be to be classified as friendship? But to come back around to the actual question at hand, how do you think people will respond? I think people will be really sad, and I think it'll be um, I think it'll be an interesting. A sad but interesting look at what it's like to have a relationship in this era, because it used to be that relationships were basically either completely one way or completely, you know, uh, two way. And now, like I was saying a moment ago, it's kind of gray. And what does that mean? I don't know. I'm rambling because I don't know what to say about it. Um, Mike, if you are with me, uh, what if if any of that makes sense? What do you think about this? 
Well, all I know is like how I would feel, like people that I really, really like, and if they were to to leave, they would shuffle off this mortal coil, like how would I feel about it? And I'd be really, really sad for a bunch of reasons. One, because like they make a thing that, that brings happiness to my life that now doesn't exist anymore, you know, and I would feel sad knowing that they weren't in the world and how they're like, how it would feel for their family and stuff, right? Because I feel like I have a connection to these people. Um, so I feel like, my, my my brain feels like I know them. So I expect it would feel pretty much like what happens when you lose a friend. I, I feel like that's probably what your brain will do. So yeah. how do I feel about the fact that people might feel that way about me? I'll tell you right now, it's something I think about more than I should. So that's <laughs> where I am. Yeah. It's, it's not a thing, you know, and what, what it, it's, it's interesting to think about what is my legacy you know, because the most obvious answer is it's my family. But I have left at this point, uh, presumably hundreds upon hundreds of hours of audio content, you know, strewn across the Internet. I've left, um, you know, a, a few minutes of, of video content uh, across the Internet. You know, what is my legacy? And, and, and I am proud sitting here now of all these things that I've created and built. But, you know, what does that mean? And, and although as I've gotten slightly older, I've been more I've taken a, a sharper focus on how to prepare for what happens if I pass. One of the things I have not done any preparation for is like, what happens to my website as a silly example? Like, do I want to try to have that live on forever? I mean, no, but you know, for the sake of discussion, you know, once I pass away, uh, Aaron could get to the passwords in which, you know, which you would need in order to keep it running. But she, it's not her, it's not really her cup of tea to do this sort of nerdy thing that I do. So then what happens? Like, I don't, I haven't bequeathed my website to anyone as, as ridiculous as it may, mm -hmm. it may sound. And so what happens? Do I just, does the website just fall off the planet? You know, as soon as the bills stop getting paid, you know, I don't know. And I haven't really thought about that. I've, I've thought a, a fair bit in the last year about my physical, if you will, legacy, but I have not thought that much about my virtual legacy. All right, we spent too much time talking about death on our 150th episode of <laughs> Extravaganza at this point. Uh, so I'll say Steve writes in and uh, and asks, how do you <laughs> feel about pets? What pet would you like to have if any pet worked in your <laughs> present circumstances? I don't think stay means like doing a job. I just think like, <laughs> like fit within your yeah, present yeah. circumstances. This is a constant struggle in my life. Not that there's a struggle that anybody is giving to me, but just a struggle that I have with myself as a person. I don't feel anything for pets. And it's not like I am actively hating on them. I just don't get that emotional connection to animals that I feel like a lot of people around me do. I feel like I'm warming up a little bit to uh, calm dogs. So... I hate when animals get all up in your business and they jump on you and they want to lick you. I I can't stand it. I hate that. But like a dog that does nothing, um, which I've been around a few of those over the last couple of years, kind of just like ch super chill dogs, I can get on board with that situation. Uh, <laughs> but then there's just still a bunch of about pet ownership that I'm not that interested in, uh, like taking dogs out for walks and cleaning up after them and all that kind of stuff. Like, um, you know, I just, for me, because I am not somebody who has that part of them that like dies to have an animal, I can't really 
balance the things I don't want to do as easily because it's like there's a bunch of stuff you really don't want to do for the benefit of like right now where it's like this might be nice as opposed to like mm-hmm. I must have a dog. So uh, I'm I'm focusing on dogs because I'm allergic to cats. That's why I'm focusing on dogs, by the way. That makes sense. Did you have any pets growing up? Any dogs growing up? No, nothing. They were like in the animal, uh, animals in the family, but we never had one. I wonder if that has at least to some degree, you know, uh, I want to say tainted, but that, that's way more negative than I mean. But, you know, has, has steered your, your opinion on this. Uh, we had dogs growing up. Uh, we never had cats. I dated a girl in college who was cat obsessed. And for a brief window of time, I was like, oh, cats are really nice because you don't have to really do anything with them. But then cats are kind of not my thing because they don't really do anything and with you either, you know? So they're just kind of there. And at least uh, a mellow and chill dog you can you can still interact with fairly regularly, and they usually like it. Whereas cats, in my experience, are just kind of don't want to be bothered. Uh, you know, you may be a cat person; that's fine. It's just not really for me either. Um, to answer Steve's question, you know, how do I feel about pets? I I think there will come a time that the List family will get a dog. Uh, I don't think that time is anytime soon. I have this irrational, not fear, but like angst at the thought of having to worry about being home every you know 6 to 8 to 12 hours to let out a dog which is funny because I work from home my family is home you know we we don't travel terribly often so if anyone on the planet is well equipped to have a dog it's our family but there there's enough times that I want to be able to just go somewhere and not have to worry about that that to me in kind of what you're saying a dog is a relative, I perceive it as a relatively large burden. And I perceive that the, the, the whatever I get in return does not overweigh that, you know, or is, does not outweigh the, the burden. And I know there's a bunch of dog people that are going to be really upset about this. Uh, Steve is a personal friend of mine and they just got their second dog, which is, I think why this is fresh on uh, in their minds. Um, but I, I don't think it's for me today. And I think there will come a time we will have a dog and I hope it's something uh, either small to normal sized and relatively chill, kind of as you're describing, Mike. But that time is probably not for a few years. All right, let's take a break and thank our friends over at Pingdom for their support of this show. Whilst you've been listening to this wonderful episode of Analog, how would you know if your website was down? Would you be waiting to see if people got in contact with you because they couldn't click that buy now button or access your website? You don't want that. You don't want to have to get a tweet. You don't want to get an email when something bad happens. You want something to tell you when things are running smoothly on your website and more importantly, when they're not. And that's why you need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. It's super smart too. They'll get the information needed to solve the issue to the person who can solve it. So whether that's one person or your whole team or it's different members of the team, depending on what the problem is. Pingdom are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable for everyone. They use more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you want monitored, and then they will take care of everything else. Don't risk being the last to know about something on your website breaking. Start monitoring your site today with Pingdom by going to pingdom.com slash RelayFM, and you can get a 14-day free trial there. You don't need to give them any credit card information to try it out. And when you sign up, up, use the code analog at checkout and you will get an amazing 30% of your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. So our next question comes from Tim. Tim says, what is a chain of events 
that you're really thankful for. So for Tim, it was Tim got an iPod, clicked the podcast button, downloaded Twit uh, this week in tech, discovered who Merlin was, probably through Mac Break Weekly, uh, read GTD, found 5x5, heard Mike, me, hello, guesting on shows, followed through Relay FM, and then became a better human with a fuller life, which I appreciate Aww. greatly that last line. Uh, I am very thankful that you feel that way, Tim. That's very kind of you. Uh, but I wanted to know, uh, I actually have a pretty similar chain to Tim. So what is yours? Uh, for me, I had, I've told bits and pieces of this story over the years, but I had fallen out of touch with a childhood friend of mine and then kind of got back in touch with him. And we each blame the other for having done that in a good sense. Um, I think it was he that reached out to me. He thought it was me that reached out to him. I'm not sure who's right, but one way or another, I got back in touch with this childhood friend and, um, and, and it ended up that this childhood friend was either starting or had recently started this podcast called build and analyze. And so I thought, Oh, well, you know, I've heard about this podcast thing and I don't know squat about it, but I'll give it a shot. And then Fast forward to me ending up being a jackal in the, you know, uh, five by five chat room a lot of the time. And, um, and then I get, I, from, from build and analyze, I learn about, uh, John Syracuse and from Syracuse, I learned about Merlin and, or maybe it was from Marco. I don't know. Somehow I learned about Merlin and it's in a very similar way, it just kind of spidered out. And this all started in 2010, 2011, something like that. I forget exactly when it was. And fast forward to 2018, and now I am a professional podcaster. So I'm pretty thankful for that. Um, and that's the, I think that's the most, I think that's the most obvious chain of events. But um, possibly, I, th- I think actually, uh, unequivocally, an even more important one was I when I was at, in college. I decided to be, I I was a tour guide for the whole university. And then I decided to uh, volunteer my time in our college within the university. So in the College of Engineering within the university, they also did little tours. And I volunteered to be a tour guide there too. And I'm pretty sure that was when I met a guy, Ben, and we became pretty good friends. And Ben came to visit me in Charlottesville when I was living there. Um, this is after we both graduated. And he said, "Hey, I know a couple of um, a couple of w- women who who go to UVA, and you know, you want to go to dinner like the four of us. You know, you, me, and these two these two women." And I said, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And um, and so I was waiting in the foyer of an Applebee's, and uh, this this the story this, is just everything. I love this story so much. Have you not heard this? Okay. I don't um, think in this exact way. The way you're okay. telling it right now is okay. just so perfect. Uh, so anyway, so I'm waiting in the foyer of an Applebee's with my back to the door. And uh, I don't entirely recollect this, but the story I've been told on many occasions is that uh, one of these women walked in. They, you know, the, I turned around and said, hi, I'm Casey. This woman said, hi, I'm Aaron. And then I turned back around and kept talking to my friend Ben which is such an awful thing to do. It's, it's getting better. The story's getting better yeah. the more it happens. Yeah, and Aaron will never let me live this down, that the first time I met her, I, I literally turned my back on her, which is not the way I recollect it, but I, I trust that she's right about this. So um, so that's a long, long way, long way of saying if it, you could make an argument that if I didn't meet this guy, Ben, uh, when I signed up to be a tour guide for the College of Engineering, and uh, there was also a, a weird confluence of events that got me into Charlottesville that's m- not terribly relevant for this story. But if I didn't meet Ben, and if Ben didn't come down to, to Charlottesville from D.C., where he was living at the time, and if he didn't say to me, hey, let's all get dinner, uh, then arguably 
uh, neither Declan nor Michaela would be here right now. So you could make an argument that no, they, no, you you can't you can't say you could, this. That's how it happened. There is no yeah. argument. Like yeah. that's what happened. If you didn't meet that guy Ben, you never would have met her. Right, exactly. Like, it, that's that so weird, is though. how there isn't an argument that yeah. can be made. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, I, a lot of people are like, oh well, you're you're star I don't think this, but you're star crossed lovers, the universe would have put you together one way or the other. Right. And, but the thing is people can say that, Casey, but <laughs> that's not that's not true. You guys are perfect for each other, obviously, but I don't think that it was written in the stars. Yeah, no, I hear as you. such. Yeah, I hear you. What about you, though? What 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 weird chain of events led to... Mine's, like, halfway of Tim's, and then it kind of goes on. So I downloaded downloaded Confabulator. Oh, yes! People of my yes. age on the internet will know what Confabulator was. Confabulator was what Apple ripped off to make Dashboard. Yep, yep. It was and it eventually bought by Yahoo, right? Yahoo. became Yahoo Widgets. It was very oh, good. Man. It was very good. So I, I downloaded that. And as I was installing a bunch and just playing around, this was on my PC, by the way. Oh, didn't have, a, didn't have a Mac at this point. Uh, I wanted one, but didn't have one. Uh, I found a bunch of widgets for some a video web series called Dignation, which was a, which was a video podcast primarily. I then found Twit, and then my love of podcasts grew. And like, so from Twit, like it just spiraled out into a million different like avenues, right? So like I find a bunch of people and then I'd follow them into other projects that they did. But then I was just like following the general world of Apple coverage. So I came across all of the other different properties, but this made me want to make shows. Then when I started making shows, I had to find interview guests because that was what I did. Then I came across a website that was covering Apple news and I interviewed the guy in charge and his contributing writer. His contributing writer was Steven. Aww. So, and then that all went on from there. So, See, also a story about star-crossed lovers. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think mine and Steven's relationship is written in the stars. Uh, so, sorry about that. I see how it is. Matt asks, congratulations on episode 150. That isn't a question. I, I said that wrong. But his question is, how are you two liking your Nintendo Switches these days, and what are you playing? So, for me, um, I really 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 enjoy my switch i really honestly do but i almost never pick it up and it's not from lack of desire it's just there's so many other things that i'm doing throughout the day that, that it's rare that i'm just going to sit down and play my switch that said i don't recall how it, exactly this came to be but over the last few months declan actually has become more and more interested in playing mario kart and the reason that it's mario kart specifically is because a it's you know super clean and you know there's nothing bad that happens really but um but b mario kart has two incredibly important features that make it somewhat enjoyable for a kid who really doesn't know what he's doing to play and that is you can turn on auto steer and you can turn mm -hmm. on auto go so mm -hmm. it's basically that he's not doing a whole lot of anything but it seems like I think he it's is. auto braking, by the way. It's not auto acceleration, which is more uh, important. I thought it was auto. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it's it's enough to get him so that he can basically go through the track and not come in last every single time. And uh, and that's been really really fun playing playing that with him. Um, and I am still very slowly working on Breath of the Wild. I still have not finished it. Um, My God, I know. But uh, but I do enjoy it. It's a great game. It's a phenomenal game. But I just I almost never I'm spend the time playing. Very my slowly working my way for the greatest video game ever made. Yeah. Well, there's that. Uh, so I take it you're still playing your Switch. Perhaps for another podcast, would you like to plug? 
Uh, well, yes and no. I do play a bunch of Switch games for playing for fun, which is a show that I host with Tiffany Element. Um, but we're actually playing a lot of PC games because we can stream them. So, like, I've actually moved the majority of my actual video game playing now is PC games because we can stream them. I can stream Switch games sometimes, depending on the game, and we do do that. But, like, we've been playing a lot of PC games. Like, we're working through Half-Life 2 right now on Twitch. Um, and we've just done Half-Life and Jackbox Party Pack and stuff, which are on other platforms. We've been playing them a bunch on PC. But... uh at the moment, there aren't any. There's there's tons and tons and tons of games coming out on the Switch, and I haven't been able to dig into as many as I wanted the smaller titles. But I'm still picking up some of the bigger ones, like when they when they're hitting. Um, but most recently, I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley because I didn't want to start playing Stardew Valley. So she started, and she's like, oh, "This is interesting. I like it." And I was like, "Great, I know what I'm doing." So I bought her her own Nintendo Switch. So now we can play together because Stardew Valley added a multiplayer mode, but it's only in two uh, options, which is either online or local, but you have to have multiple switches because it just with the way that the game works cross like uh split screen would not work um, like at all. It would just be a disaster with the way that this game is kind of laid out. It would make everything way harder. Uh, so now we spend many hours, many evenings a week uh, working on our farm together, and it's probably one of the greatest sustained video game experiences that I've ever had. Wow. Like it's amazing because we get to sit and we play and like we plan out what we want to do and we go do it. Like I have played, uh, me and Tiff play multiplayer a lot as well, and it's really fun. Like we have a good time. But sitting next to someone, like couch co-op is always better than online co-op. And the fact that like we get to sit next to each other and we can like, you know, we like under the, like snuggled up on the sofa under a blanket and Adina's taking her notes of all the things that we want to do and we get to work together and cooperate on this thing. It's fantastic. I love it. I mean, it helps that Stardew was one of my, also one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, and that we get to play it together and that, like that Adina's like, she's really interested in it. It's amazing, and I love it, and I and I am very happy that we get to share that together now. Uh, but yeah, I play my Switch is my favorite console. Like I have a PlayStation, and but I always want to get games on the Switch. I love it. There's still uh, hopefully a bunch of other games. It's like Pokemon was amazing. I'm playing that. Still haven't finished it yet, but I'm gonna. One of my bigger problems recently is my RSI that I've been talking about. Like I'm kind of subscribing to the John Syracuse method of video games. Because it can and does cause issues for me, I have to prioritize now. Where previously I would have played more, um, now I kind of have to prioritize. But uh, so I'm, I'm just picking the games that's, that 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 make me happiest and playing those. So we have another uh, submission from Steve. Steve asks, "What keeps you up at night, and what strategies do you use to pro- proactively address that?" Uh, one is getting saying people's names correctly is a, <laughs> is a thing for me. No, uh, two things: ideas. And worries. Okay. I mean, I feel like probably everyone's that way, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if I have something that's stressing me out, that will keep me up. Or if I have something that is just, I, I'm just, my brain is just chewing on an idea too much, that will keep me up too. I think that makes sense. And I don't have any strategies to deal with either of those things. <laughs> I hear that. Uh, for me, as I've said to you uh, earlier this episode, something that I've been thinking long, a lot about is... Um, what happens to me or, or, you know, the family, if somebody else were to suddenly pass, but especially me as, as the primary breadwinner for the family, what happens if I were to 
pass away suddenly, you know, what, God forbid if I fly to WWDC and, and that plane crashes or something like that, like what happens? And so um, over the last couple of years, uh, again, as I said earlier, I've been doing a lot more to get kind of that family planning, um, you know, oh, 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 poop moment preparation happens, you know, so we have a will, we I, I now have life insurance for myself, which is actually not nearly as expensive as I thought it would be. So if you have a family, even just a spouse, you know, I would I would look into that. Or a business. You have a business with someone. Mm, have, mm-hmm. We have life insurance. Me and Stephen have a life insurance policy that pays out on each other. A lot yeah. of death in this episode. but Yeah, which is fascinating and a very clever, uh, very clever way to do it. Yeah, there's like a bunch of legal reasons that we have to do it, but it is also like a clever thing to do because we are dependent on each other like a marriage would be, you know, like there is a dependency between Mm. individuals. Like if you're splitting income or whatever, uh, you need some kind like so like with you and your wife and me and my wife, like we have policies in place to cover important things. So like if one of me or Adina pass away, we have a policies to cover our mortgage, right? Which is like a basic thing you have to have. Uh, but it's the same thing. Like, if I die, Stephen's in a bad situation because of the way we split our business. So we have policies for that. I don't even know why are we talking about death so much. I don't know. <laughs> it's my fault. I guess I it's, this time. we're getting old, right? 150. Yeah, right. We're getting pretty old, so we're just thinking about death all the time. 150 years is a lot of years. Uh, Taylor asks, "Is there a particular day of the week that is harder for you than the others? I.e., a case of the Mondays, and uh, how do you get through it?" No. You know, I don't have particular days of the week that I think are harder, but I will say that. I seem to be doubling down on the Mike Hurley approach of hard week and easy week. So busy week, quiet week, but yeah, that, thank you. That, that that's a much TM, more, TM, TM, TM. <laughs> that's a much more positive way of looking at it. So this particular week, and again, this is a problem of my own creation. By the way, I don't live by that that rule anymore, but well, it is something that now it's now I kind of like. I have busier times and quieter times, but they're not defined by weeks. It's like I have a really complicated system of, of scheduling at the moment. Of course you do. You've spent too much time with Gray. But anyway, nope. uh, <laughs> in any case, it seems to me that I'll have a week where the only compulsory thing for me to do that week is ATP. Obviously, there's other things I'm working on throughout the week, but the only compulsory thing is ATP. And then a week like this where I have ATP, which so happens that we recorded last night, which was a Monday night. I'm recording this on a Tuesday morning. I'm going to guest on Clockwise Wednesday morning. And on top of that, I need to do the edit for Analog probably Thursday morning. And I really want to do more work on the Tesla video. So this is like a completely slammed week. Um, And then next week should be basically boring again in a good way. And so... I wouldn't say I have a particular day of the week that seems worse than any other, um, but it certainly seems that I kind of flip-flop between busy weeks and, and quieter weeks. Uh, so our next question comes from Stephen. Uh, Stephen says, now that you're both independent, how do you manage work when you're really sick asking for parents in a family of five who have all gotten the flu? I don't think you can answer yet because you haven't gotten really sick yet, have you? No, I haven't. So I'm, no. I'm useless in this regard. It's only happened to me once. That I was so sick that I had, couldn't do anything when I had a viral throat infection, uh, which knocked me out. Other than that, you kind of just have to do it, right? Like, so, like, sick, level, the level of sick, which you can't work when you're self employed, that has to be like because you physically can't, not because you just don't feel great. You know, I know that I would take more sick days when I had 
the ability to take sick days because people cover my work. But so like if I get super sick now, it's like a complicated process of like trying to get people to fill in for me on stuff. And I still have to, to keep checking things. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to, I've got to keep looking. I'm sorry. I got to keep working. Like there's nothing I can do about it really. So yeah. you kind of just, you, that that's, that's what happens. It's the same as vacations. There's a problem with vacations. You know, if you work for yourself, it sounds like a bad thing. It can be a bad thing, but like you never truly get time off because you can't leave the thoughts in your brain either. They follow you. So. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about something that's awesome? Linode. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in seconds with your choice of Linux distro resources and node location, all presented to you in their easy-to-use interface. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, and they're all looked after by their incredible 24-7 support team. If you ever need any help, you can drop them an email, give them a call, or chat over IRC in the Linode community. Whatever suits you best. Linode are there to help you. And they have super useful guides and support documentation as well. So if you ever need to just quickly look something up, it's there for you. The new management panel is now in beta at cloud.linode.com. This new management console is a single-page application build using the cutting-edge React.js stack and is backed entirely by a public API. I sound like Casey. This is stuff that Casey says. (laughs) No, what is it? Uh, What is that one you were talking about? Dockers? Oh, I know yeah. about mm-hmm. those from the mm-hmm. from talking about Linode. Yeah, all that. I just sound like you. It's so fun. Look at me, everybody. I'm Casey Liss. And it's all open source as well with Linode. Plus, they feature two-factor authentication to keep you and all of your data safe and secure. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start with one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month, and they offer high-memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode have a special offer for listeners of this show. You can go to linode.com slash analog and use the promo code analog2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. With you sign up for the one gigabyte of RAM plan that's four free months. They have a seven-day money-back guarantee as well, so you have nothing to lose. So give, give Linode a try today. Go to linode.com slash analog and promo code analog2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show at Relay FM. Brian asks, if you could send one podcast episode you were on to yourself 10 years in the past, which episode would it be? All right, so I have two because it's dependent on what i'm looking for at that moment so one good thing for me is like as a way to sum up what my life is you know like to to show mike of 10 years ago what his life's going to be like would be to send whatever the most recent uh q a episode that we do around relay fm's birthday so typically we do this on connected we'll do like an episode uh during like Relay FM birthday week, which is like, oh, here's a kind of state of the union address effectively. And we get questions and people ask us what's going on. And and so it's like a good way to like sum up what's happened in the last year. But people always ask questions about the whole time and so stuff like that. So that's good. You know, like an episode like this one, for example, is, is in a similar ilk. Um, the other would be as like, uh, if I think of something that just makes me happy, uh RelayCon WWDC 2016. Uh it was our first kind of big live deal and we had a bunch of guests and it was in uh it was our first WWDC live show 
Um, and I really liked that one because it was like the variety format. We've done loads of great live shows since, but like that was like this big live variety thing that I hosted and I was really happy with how it went. So uh, that would be another option. I think for me, it is also um, two episodes. Uh, and for me, I think feel like it would actually be two episodes of this show, believe it or not, because I no, come because on. I enjoy you more than you enjoy me. That's the way it is. Come on. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in a very nostalgic, like analog mood at the moment, but I really think um, it may be true. <laughs> I think I think it is. Uh, so the two episodes are episode number, a uh, lucky number 13 of this show, which is the first episode we recorded subsequent to Declan. Maybe actually, maybe I would have chosen 12, which was the last one we recorded before. Oh, okay. Yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, something around I, I, something around the time that Declan was born. I think probably 13, because 12 was like, like 13 is going to have all of your actual raw exactly. emotion in it. Exactly. Um, I think that one would probably be one, um, just because you know our struggle with infertility and, and just mm-hmm. becoming parents was such a pivotal part of so much of our lives and especially our marriage, especially at that point, because it had been like half the time we were married that we were struggling with this. And so to finally have that release and in that experience of finally having our, our son, um, is, is really important. And, and I haven't listened to that in a long, 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 long time, but I probably should. Um, but I, I remember, I remember recording it fondly, even though it was in a haze and the other episode would be episode 134. Uh, which was one that we recorded, you and I, I think a few days before I publicly announced that I was going independent and we had queued it up ready to rock so that when I made the announcement, um, it would be released. And mm. I I enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed kind of closing that chapter of will he, won't he, will he, won't he, um, and then opening the new chapter of, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> but uh, How long ago was that? This is June 1st, 2018. Wow. Oh, yeah, because it was just before WWDC. Exactly, exactly right. Yeah. And so I, 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 some of it I think is just cool because I enjoyed the like uh, planning and in uh, in the 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 I don't know I can't think of a better word than planning, but the 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 scheming I guess of you and I of like recording this in advance, not really telling anyone about it, and then just dropping it. I think at the same moment I dropped my blog post about it, or the, roughly the same time. And uh, I I thought that was a lot of fun, but also it's a it's a culmination of a lot you know, of my, not a culmination of my career, but it's, it's a, it's a culmination of a lot of the things I'd worked for in my career. You know, I had, I had done a lot of work in order to become an extremely good engineer. And now uh, in episode 134, I had something just wildly different to show for it, which I, I was and remain very proud of. So I think either one of those. This question uh, from Hunter is uh, an interesting one that kind of ties into that a little bit. So Hunter said, I'm still catching up on the show and I'm at episode 87. Uh, At some point, Hunter tuned in live for a minute and then had it spoiled that Casey had gone independent. Uh, So congratulations, says (laughs) Hunter. (laughs) But also, uh, what are your thoughts on your life being like a story for people to flip through at their own time? Yeah, that... That's very weird. I love that turn of phrase to flip through. Um, I thought that was very clever of Hunter. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I, uh, as we were talking about earlier, we don't need to belabor the point anymore, but it's funny to me that people would find my life that interesting because I don't think my life is actively boring, but I don't think it's that remarkable in the grand scheme of things, you know? Um, but I think it's, I, I think it's kind of cool. And I, I hope 
I hope that it has in some way, shape or form been even mildly inspirational to at least one human being somewhere in the world. And if that is the case, then job done. You know, I, I feel pretty good about it. What, what do you think? So I've been thinking about something like this on kind of like a different skew recently of like, why, why do people want to share their lives in general? So like, why do people mm -hmm. want to post everything they do on Instagram and everything they do on Twitter? Like, why do people want to do that? And I've been thinking, like, I think it is the same kind of part of our brains that want to write diaries. Yeah. Like the idea of like cataloging something, but now you get to catalog it in a part performance way as well, like to the world. So like, you know, like there are people that, that catalog all of this stuff when they like for four people that are following them or whatever. It's not just people that do it who have a million people that follow them. And I think that there is part of that kind of like cataloging of things that happen in your life um, is, is, I think is part of it. So the idea of somebody reading my diary is, it's, it's fine if the diary was always intended to be read. Yeah. 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 You know, like if I recorded a podcast that wasn't public, and it just lived on my hard drive, and somebody found that, I would maybe be a little bit more upset. But the fact that I record this diary for people to listen to, is it, I have no problem with people flipping through it. I actually like that there are people that listen the way that Hunter does, um, who maybe don't follow us in any other way, but like they've come to the show with, for, for some reason and gets to kind of follow along with all of this stuff. I think that that's kind of sweet in a way. I like it. Yeah, me too. Matthias asks, uh, Matthias asks, do you have any thoughts, Casey, on the few aired episodes of the new season of the Grand Tour? Um, or are you more excited for the upcoming Top Gear season? We used to talk about this a lot. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, Top Gear was a, was a TV show with uh, three hosts. Um, one of the hosts was a big jerk, got fired. The other two decided to quit. They all ended up on Amazon and basically did the same show, but called it the grand tour. And we are in the midst of a season. I think it's the third season of the grand tour, if I'm not mistaken. Um, my feelings of the grand tour have been mostly negative. I actually don't think it's very good. Generally speaking, this particular season, um, as we record this, I think we're four or five episodes in, it's been better than it has been, but still ultimately not great in my opinion. Um, I feel like it's a bit self-indulgent and I think that maybe it's because of the stuff I've been doing with YouTube, which is n by no means the same thing, but knowing a little bit about how the sausage is made, just the teeniest, idiot's little bit makes me a lot more skeptical of a lot of the things that happen. Like this show is very scripted, despite the fact that they kind of jokingly pitch themselves as unscripted. And as I'm watching, particularly this season, I'm seeing more and more things that I'm like, there is no chance that would have happened without hours upon hours upon days of preparation. And they're playing it off as like, oh, haha, that thing just happened to explode. Hee <laughs> hee. Yet they had like, you know, several slow motion cameras focused exactly on the right spot at exactly the right moment. You know what I mean? And so, I don't know. I just, I have not been impressed by the Grand Tour. And it used to be that I would set my Sunday schedule around Top Gear being released. That is not an exaggeration. Like that is mm -hmm. really and truly what used to happen is I needed to be home at, I think it was four or five o'clock or whatever time that, that was around the time that I could find myself an episode of Top Gear. 
and now with the grand tour, I, I'm not even caught up. I'm like an episode and a half behind or something like that. Um, with regard to the, with top gear. So top gear ended up finding three new hosts. Well, they went through a smattering of new hosts and landed on, uh, Matt LeBlanc from friends, uh, Rory Reed and Chris Harris, who was a very, very popular, um, YouTuber, um, from uh, a couple of years ago. And I actually have fallen in love with top gear all over again and think it is phenomenal. The first rebooted season, which was like 22 or 23, I forget off the top of my head was not great, but the last season or two, the most recent season or two were actually very, very good. And I think that top gear is doing better at being the three guys goofing off and having fun with cars, but they're doing better than the original hosts of top gear who kind of invented the whole genre are doing today in the grand tour. You're not keeping up with either of them, right? No, I bounced off of uh grand tour, uh, like episode two or three. Yeah. It's not surprising. What happened to them was what I feared would happen to them, which was without the BBC locking them down, you'd kind of find out a little bit more about the type of people that they are. And I didn't like what I saw. So Yeah. I've, notice that as well that you know anytime you bring up so the the most polarizing of the three original people that are just now on the grand tour is a guy jeremy clarkson and it seems that anytime you bring up jeremy clarkson everyone comes out of the woodwork to well actually you about how much of a terrible human he is and for me you know i i don't see a lot of this because i'm american not british and and so i think i catch wind of a lot less of the reasons no, why casey the thing is I, I think that it is possible to enjoy a piece of entertainment even if you know that the people that make it aren't great thank I mean, you i kind of have I a agree. bit of a problem with the idea that like because here is do you want do you want my, my a little defining rule that i have in my I life lo- casey uh, no joke i would love to hear this because i've been thinking about this a lot lately so genuinely i'm not trying to be uh, sarcastic tell me I say this a lot to people, and I because I genuinely believe it. Everyone is problematic in their own way. Yeah, I like it. Well, I don't like it, but I like it, you know. <laughs> because someone at some point is going to say or do something that somebody else is going to consider a problem. Because that is just how humans are, because nobody is perfect. There is definitely a scale here. I am not like equating everyone's faults to be the same. Like, there is 100% a scale. But, like, whilst Kevin Spacey is clearly a trash bag of a human, does this mean now that nobody can ever enjoy a Kevin Spacey movie movie ever again? Like, I don't think that that has to be the case. Like, you can feel differently. Like, I feel differently now when I see him on screen. It's like, oh, I know you're not a good person, but like, does that now mean that I can never enjoy a Kevin Spacey movie ever again? Like, I don't think that it has to be that. Maybe there is like a waiting period where you have to calm down a little bit or whatever it is. But I, I think just because somebody is not necessarily great doesn't mean you can't enjoy a piece of entertainment. That is my feeling. I am sure that now I will be called problematic by certain <laughs> people, but that is kind of the point that I'm making. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, actually. I and then that's the thing is that I am able to separate Jeremy Clarkson, the human who seems pretty unequivocally to be a big jerk from Jeremy Clarkson, the person who appears on the grand tour. And I guess what I'm, what I was meandering toward earlier and, and hearing you say that kind of crystallized it for me is that I'm seeing more of Jeremy Clarkson, the jerk within the grand tour where I never yeah. used to before. And that's what I think you were saying earlier as well. Um, and I think I'm seeing, and it's actually true of all three of them. You idolize him less 
but you mm-hmm. still enjoy the content that he produces, Mostly. which I think is fine. <laughs> I think it's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so I think because I'm seeing more and more about how unfunny the three of them can be and how they think they're being like risque in a funny way, but it's just them being old men that are not in touch with what we think is acceptable today. It's It's been harder to watch the Grand Tour it, it, but but at the same time, it has flashes of of that old magic at the and so it's what that's what keeps me coming back is it does still have those flashes of the old magic, but so much of it is just like, guys, guys, come, come on, we don't we don't need to say that or we we don't need to do that. We let's move on, you know. Yeah, it's like you can judge them differently and and stuff like that, but yeah. I just feel that like, I don't necessarily think that now if somebody does something that's bad. You now you can now never participate or view anything that they ever make because yeah. ultimately. So you know why I equate this to it was very similar to me is the idea of if you knew how food was made, you would eat nothing. <laughs> it's true, actually. Yeah. I think I think of these two things as quite similar. Like, or in like if you um if you decided that you weren't going to buy something because of such and such company's practices, which is perfectly fine for you to make that decision. But then it's the same thing as you probably never buy anything. There are bad people everywhere. Yep. I agree. Jelly asks, when the two of you see each other after being apart, does soft music play? Yes. Jared asks, would you rather fight one human-sized duck or 30 regular-sized ducks? I figured we had to end this all Q&A episode on this like classic. This is just like a classic, one of the classic Reddit questions. Yep, yep. Because um, there's also the horse and duck version, but mm-hmm. Jar- Jared has asked specifically a human-sized duck, because it's, what is it, one duck-sized horse or 30 horse-sized ducks is the typical one. But Jared has asked one human-sized duck or 30 regular-sized ducks. I feel like the human-sized duck would be the easier foe because you have one thing to concentrate nah, on. Nah, let's think about this. What's the human size? Because if it's human height, that is a big animal. Yeah. If it's human-sized but duck proportions, that thing is huge. Yeah, yeah, you, maybe you're convincing me. It's 30, it's a lot. Like, if it was 10, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'll take the 10 regular-sized ducks. But 30 regular ducks, that's a lot of ducks. The, the I think version. I would do better against the 30 regular sized ducks than the one human sized duck. Because a human sized duck has a big, strong thing, man. Yeah, that's true. The, the worst version of this is geese. Uh, you have geese over there, right? Because the geese yeah, they're here. Violent. Oh, they're mean. The yeah. geese here are really mean. I think, and, and they're often they're Canadian geese. And so I wonder if all the meanness in all of Canada, instead of being in the people like they are in America, maybe if they all, all of that mean energy goes into the geese. Because the geese are mean. And one human-sized goose or 30 regular-sized regular uh, geese? Oh, God, that's going to haunt my nightmares for life. I don't it's know what I would to do. think about it. Yeah. Here's to the next 150 episodes. We Yay. couldn't be here without you if you didn't listen. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that you enjoy every episode. And uh, we'll be back next time. Thanks, Mike. Hooray! 150.